CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you, because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hello, Weekside Podcast listeners. This is Jenny Rentis. I am here with Connor Orr for another episode of your favorite podcast, hopefully. Lots going on in the NFL this week. Connor, there was a virtual owners meeting on Tuesday, which brought up an important issue that was discussed during the meeting and the days leading up to the meeting, which is better representation among the head coach, general manager, leadership ranks in the NFL. I think it's certainly been a problem for the NFL over the course of its history. Minorities have not received the opportunities to be in leadership roles, despite the league being composed of about 70% black players. And particularly this year, it was uh, really hard to ignore if anyone was actually ignoring it, which some have been. Uh, with Eric Bieniemy, who leads the ch- you know, Chiefs' offense as the offensive coordinator, they win a Super Bowl, a role that produced two prior head coaches. Uh, does not get a job opportunity. Also, in the Super Bowl was Robert Sala, another minority coach, and neither of them got opportunities. And then the virtual draft really reinforced the whiteness of leadership around the league. So. Basically, for the past four to five months, the NFL has behind the scenes been working on ways to address this more aggressively. Friday afternoon, one of the 
more controversial parts of this plan came to light through a proposal that was discussed at the owners meeting on Tuesday, which was the idea of incentivizing through draft pick capital, the hiring of minorities as head coaches, general managers, or in other positions. There were a variety of measures that would give teams either a compensatory pick or a draft slot boost if they hired a minority into a number of different roles. But it was one part of a broader strategy, as I learned over the weekend, Connor. There were many parts that were going to be proposed. Ultimately, the draft pick incentive proposal was tabled on Tuesday uh, for more further discussion, which ultimately I think was the right decision. Certainly elicited a lot of mixed reactions around the league. But I think some of the other measures that have already been put into place and are going to be rolled out over the next few months are really impactful, will start to make a difference, such as expanding the Rooney rule so that every head coach interview process has to include two external minority candidates, extending the Rooney rule also to include the coordinator positions and team executive roles. So a lot of times team presidents, for example, are play a huge role in the hiring process. So having the chance for other people to be considered in those roles, just interviewing a a wider um, pool of candidates, Um, other things, another rule uh, that was put into effect immediately on Tuesday uh, did not require a vote. What did require a vote, which was, uh, as far as I can tell, like uh, braced across the league, was the idea that you can't block assistant coaches from interviewing from coordinator jobs. And also you can't block personnel people from interviewing for assistant GM jobs. So basically kind of removing that ceiling that keeps a lot of coaches and aspiring personnel executives in lower roles. Um, part of that is Teams have to submit to the league uh, written uh, org org structures that basically clearly define every role so no gamesmanship is played. And uh, so I think that's really important. And also eliminating from contracts clauses that prevent movement of employees that teams want to hang on to. Um, And there are other things too, Connor, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion plans. All 32 teams will have to come up with those. There will be bias training, which I think is really important to address some of the root causes of the unequal practices. And another measure will be having all 32 teams participate in hiring year-long coaching fellows geared at minorities. And also, though it will not be exclusively for these positions, the idea is to try to target positions that will be working with the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach, which produced about three quarters. That's the pathway through which three quarters of the head coaches hired between 2017 and 2020 came up through. So a lot of information to digest. um, But while there was a lot of debate over the incentive rule, all of it valid, all of it warranted, definitely are a lot of problems with that idea. But if you look at it in the context of this broad, multi-pronged plan to really address diversity in the leadership ranks of the NFL, Rod Graves from the Fritz Pollard Alliance said it's the most aggressive approach that he's seen since he's been involved in the NFL, which has been for decades. Yeah, I mean, I think the one nice thing about this is finally there is a plan. You know what I mean? Finally, there is a a movement forward. And by the way, MMQB readers, you would have heard a lot of this, read a lot of this first if you uh, on the MMQB, if you were uh, 
paying attention, you know. So always check the site because you can get some good news before everybody else, especially when Jenny's writing. Um, but I, I think this this is a um, I think this is a positive step forward. I mean, I'm I I, I don't know, but especially. Just the idea of bringing new voices to the table, especially on the offensive side of the ball, like this can only help. This can only make the league better, more interesting. Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, it, it's not a what took it so long kind of question, but it's like, okay, now how many of these people are actually going to be listening with open ears, um, taking in the bias training, really allowing um, their own egos to be stripped away and hearing what these people are saying. I mean, maybe even if that happens to two of the 32 owners, we're at least going to be in a better place than we were uh, to start. Yeah, I think that's really important, Connor, because we've all been in workplace trainings where you kind of quickly breeze through some webinar and don't really absorb things. Um, So it is important that people take these things seriously, which I do think was sort of the point of the incentive idea. Um, Mm -hmm. Whether or not it passed as it was written, the idea was to propose something that was kind of radical, that got people talking about it, got people confronting the idea of, oh my gosh, like, could we really use football capital to address this issue? And the fact that the league would be suggesting, or, and the owners committee that it worked with on this, would be suggesting using football capital. It's like, wake up. This is a really important problem. We're willing to devote football capital to it. So even if they don't end up going through with the incentive proposal, I think the idea was to kind of just wake some people up, really make an impact, and hopefully lead to a fruitful conversation. Certainly from coaches I spoke to, you know, the incentive rule creates some issues. Uh, Largely, you don't really want to be hired as having an asterisk next to your name. And Mm -hmm. I think of it sort of like a lot of buildings get tax incentives, you know, for neighborhoods that places are trying to develop, right? You know, you get a tax break if you go to this neighborhood. And the idea being like, it's sort of a lesser place to put your business, but it makes up for it with a tax break. And I think that's kind of what bothers a lot of minority coaches is they're equal. They're just as good. They don't need that extra boost to be on the same level as other candidates being considered. But I think the the what the league is trying to figure out how to solve is these owners who are in hiring position. How do you get them to actually take the Rooney rule seriously to follow it in its spirit, not simply by the letter of it? I mean, certainly we saw with the Raiders when they hired John Gruden, it was Mark Davis's white whale, they made a mockery of the process. That hire mm-hmm. had been telegraphed for years, months, you know, and then, you know, it, it, it comes to pass. And if you're one of the minority candidates that they bring in, you are sitting in that room knowing you don't have a chance at the job. And that's something that I think any kind of training or any conversation, I think that's a really like valuable part of it. Like I've talked to black coaches who describe what it's like going into an interview room and knowing that you don't have a chance at the job, that you're the Rooney rule box checker and have to swallow those that the uncomfortable way that that makes you feel to sit in the room because, hey, it's a networking opportunity. If you don't go on this interview, you might not have an opportunity to interact with these power brokers. And a lot of teams have outside consultants. Like I know coaches who have gone into that room, forged relationships with the outside consultants, and then maybe they've helped them down the line get a job. So there is value in going into that room. But I think the feeling of walking into a room, knowing that you're there because of the color of your skin and you don't actually have a chance to get the job, I think that's something a lot of people don't understand 
can. And I think that's the kind of thing, if you come up with a training program to try to change perspectives and minds, like I would love for it to incorporate personal experiences of the black coaches who have lived through or have seen their careers trajectories be impacted by biases. Yeah, it's it's a great point. And it's just, to me, if you're an owner, why would you not want this? Why would you not want to expand your candidate pool? If you're hiring for a business, if you're hiring to look for the perfect CEO, why are you not looking at the largest possible pool of candidates? I mean, you know, Art Rooney talks all the time about um, how his own path led him to hire Mike Tomlin, who at the time was this coach who was kind of out of the discussion point and wasn't really somebody that would have traditionally fit in that role and is now arguably one of the five or six best coaches in the NFL, at least in my mind. And so it's like, why? But we're just stuck in this mode where it's like you hire these agreed upon recycled candidates and that's what led us here where the pipe is dry. And so I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think there's going to be a lot of pushback, but I think that that's a good thing. And I'm happy that the NFL has finally stuck their neck out a little bit because to lead with the idea um like you mentioned, of sort of this radical compensation uh, for hiring, that's going to get the idea out to the mainstream. The NFL is going to take a hit from people who don't believe in that or disagree with that or whatever, but that's good. I'm glad that they are taking that hit and they are saying, hey, we are so strongly invested in this that we don't give a shit what you say about us on Fox News, which is, let's be honest, where this is going, this debate is going to be held that, oh, you you shouldn't be able to do this or you shouldn't incentivize teams to act in a certain way. Good for them. I mean, you can't be afraid of the blowback all the time. And this is one of the first instances of Goodell and the NFL not running from something. I feel like they're hitting this head on, which is good. Yeah, I think it was interesting how it was rolled out, too. So NFL.com reported the two proposals Friday. And of course, the incentive proposal was the one that got the most debate. But perhaps more impactful and more of a slam dunk is the proposal of not blocking assistant coaches to interview for head coach mm-hmm. jobs. I mean, we saw that with Anthony Lynn, you know, who we both covered with the Jets. He was kind of stuck in that assistant head coach role on Rex Ryan's staffs for a while and didn't have the chance in some cases to interview for offensive coordinator jobs. And so I think there are a lot of stories around the league where you see uh, people kind of kept in those lower roles because they're so vital to the current head coach who staff they're on, but that really stunts their ability to pursue their career to the fullest. Um, so that proposal was, but the incentive one kind of overshadowed the news cycle and then forced four days of conversation essentially before the owners meeting on Tuesday. And I think tabling the proposal from people I talked to over the weekend that seemed like that was what was going to happen. You know, Rod Graves from the Fritz Pollard Alliance said, I'm less concerned about if this rule passes as it's written. I just want this to open a conversation. And it's definitely a conversation that that needed to continue past the time of the vote on Tuesday. And um, I'm not sure exactly what will happen with it from here. But Troy Vinson, who led a lot of these efforts from the league office, said yesterday afternoon, you know, the system's broken and, you know, that we're exploring all ways to fix it. And um, this is more of a commitment to doing so, like I said earlier, than we've really seen. Um, it's You could talk about it's belated. It's absolutely belated. Um, but at least they're doing it now. And um, I hope that the owners who are the ones ultimately making the decisions will be able to 
absorb the lessons, kind of have a personal reckoning, consider their own biases. Uh, When you say, I hire someone that I'm comfortable with, that's a bias and try to have their own reckoning with that. And to your point earlier, Connor, yeah, if if it affects the mindset of just a handful of people, that's important. That makes a difference. Yeah, I totally agree. And fans too, I mean, you gotta wake up. You know, I think a lot of people got to wake up. I mean, we, we tend to politicize everything, but this is good. You know, I, I, I just can't belabor that point enough. This is good. This is good. Your owners are going to interview more people. This is great. You know, um, there's a there's a 100% chance that there is you're going to get a better coach out of this process, you know, or your owner is going to come out of the process as a better uh, evaluator of coaching talent, hopefully, you know, and, uh, you know, you won't just, your team won't hire Pat Shermer every year, you know what I mean? And uh, forgive the example, but it's just, this keeps happening and it's going to lead to something that's far more miserable than the alternative. The alternative is good. New voices, new ideas. Uh, The NFL is going to be better because of it. And I think sometimes to get there to be changed, there has to be some uncomfortable parts of the process. And sometimes that means, unfortunately, for the people who are being considered, like I've said this before, when Peter King started the MMQB, he said he wanted to hire, he wanted to change the makeup of SI, which was largely older white men. He wanted to hire a woman. He wanted to hire a person of color. And after I was hired, he told me that. And that made me feel uncomfortable. But it was an opportunity that I was grateful for and I couldn't pass up. And I think an unfortunate part of the process is that sometimes the people who are looking for opportunities, you kind of have to swallow that uncomfortable feeling. But where he was coming from was, if I don't intentionally take actions to change the composition of SI, it's never going to happen. And I think he really did make a difference. From that point on, there had been a shift. I think we've taken some steps backward recently, but there had been new voices brought in. I think that that wasn't Uh, an effort that I was proud to see happen. And so, um, you know, I think there's a lot of times you kind of have to consider doing things in a different way and uh, talk through what that means for everyone involved. And that's what's going on in the NFL right now. Um, But all right, we should dive into some other topics here, Connor, right? Let's Uh, do it, Jenny. All right. Uh, I guess I'll take the, will you take the first one? I've talked too much. Never too much, but I will uh, I will lead it off. Um, so facilities are slowly reopening across the country, punctuated this week by a picture of a maskless Jerry Jones conducting business in his palatial marble-crusted estate. Many teams seem to be wisely slow playing their trips back to work. So, Jenny, how do you think all of this <laughs> might unfold? So, Connor, uh, yesterday played a small little prank, which I won't get into the specifics of, on a group chat thread. (laughs) Thank you. And others in the group chat fell victim to the fake news story that he copy and pasted in the chat thread. But for me, there was an immediate tell, which was the use of the word estate. So, like, palatial, marble-encrusted estate. It's like something Connor likes to drop in a lot of times. So here we have a a estate again. Um, But it's interesting to see some of the reopening begin Uh, of course one of the awkward parts of all of this is that clubs are in all different states so everyone has different rules that govern what's allowed in their state and I think that will be an interesting part of the conversation going forward I think I tallied this up the other day and I think 
24 states are spanned by NFL clubs, so there's going to be a lot of differences moving forward. But right now, it's not affecting coaches and players. Um, It's just small numbers of people can be allowed back into facilities where local rules allow. I enjoyed the video the Falcons posted of uh, Falcons president Rich McKay leading a tour around what things will look like in their facility. There was one entrance that everyone has to go through. There's a checkpoint. Looked like they were taking his temperature with a thermometer on his forehead. They had hand sanitizer. They offered him gloves. Um, I think they were asking a couple questions, and he was showing how something like the team meeting room would, you know, people would need to be spaced out farther than they had been. And he was going through some of the cleaning protocols for the gym, et cetera, Connor. So I think we're seeing um, some teams start to adjust and start to roll out these protocols in conjunction with, medical experts about what as they reopen what are the proper procedures to do so like businesses across america yeah i mean i think most places we're starting to at least see that slow creep back to and normalcy is a hard word to use here because it's never going to be normal or normalcy but i I, you know i don't know i it's it's going to be interesting to see how this affects everything you know who gets back first which teams are um staying away for different reasons but at the same time it, it continues sort of that torrid pace that the nfl has been on where they're just insisting that hey we're going to be starting football and football tangential activities relatively on time. I mean, it just seems like this train is not slowing down at all. Yeah. And Alan Sills, after the the NFL's chief medical officer, talked after the league meeting yesterday and basically said, we need to prepare for the fact that there will be people who are testing positive for coronavirus because this is a virus that's in this in our society and basically similar to comments we saw I believe from NBA commissioner Adam Silver where he said something similar so basically it's going to be a question of like reacting quickly to those tests and what the protocol is for teams which I'm not quite sure about if you have one positive test is that enough to shut everyone down for two weeks like how exactly do you handle that and he also made the point that NFL clubs will absolutely not be in a position where they're hogging tests that are needed for others, which means that the testing capacity of the U.S. needs to continue to grow. That's the other thing, too. I mean, just the optics of this, everyone has to be so careful. And I don't know. I mean, they're going to need help. I mean, and maybe do sports leagues continue to sort of pace the way that the country is viewing, you know, our progress in fighting this virus? Maybe. I mean, if the NFL returning on time means that the government wakes up and gets us uh, more available testing, more consistent testing, then, hey, that's a better thing than uh, than I would have expected out of this. So, I mean, you have to look at it sort of through rose-colored glasses sometimes. Yeah, that's a good point. Connor. I mean, if they can push for things that help this country as a whole, that's good. But the question is, is there a, a rush to get sports back when there isn't the capacity to have the things that you need for the general population? So I think that's going to be the big question of the next few months and what the timeline is, which Sills was not committed to any timeline. I think he was very careful when he spoke that Things are going to change rapidly in the next few weeks, in the next few months. And so that will dictate the NFL's timeline. So I thought that that was a measured, refreshing kind of, hey, like, let's just see how 
everything folds rather than saying, yes, like we're, you know, which the schedule release, okay, they put things into place, things can move, et cetera. But he wasn't saying we're playing games on, you know, the first preseason game date. He's saying we're going to see how things unfold the next few weeks. So it's a big job, by the way, whoever's going to sanitize the Cowboys facility. It's very, it's very large. <laughs> you know, it's going to take a long time. Yeah. And a lot of marbles, a lot of marbles. So you have to, I would assume a special kind of sanitizer, right? You can't just spray oh. mar- Carrera marble with chemicals. You know, right? I, I got to tell you, I, I, I've thought a lot about this as I was cleaning my house. I do not have marble, but, you know, I have like some run-of-the-mill <laughs> granite or something that was here when I rented my apartment. And um, the other day, um, I was making some pasta sauce and a big glob fell on the counter and um, I just kind of like picked it up with a spoon and I don't know, it was like a big juicy tomato. So I just was like, I'll just eat it. It fell on my counter. And um, that was a bad decision, Connor, because I got a big um, taste of some kind of chemical that I had used to clean oh. my countertop. So uh, I would recommend that, you know, be careful not to eat food that has touched counters you have recently cleaned with whatever disinfectant you were using. Unless you use Simply Green because it makes it taste like peppermint. Okay, yeah, that's well, that's what I should have been using. Hey guys, Mario Lopez here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit biotoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. From football playoffs to basketball madness. 
TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. All right, on to the next topic. Tom Brady and friends were working out in Tampa Bay, which is kind of expected. But in this day and age, also a breathlessly reported nugget. Thankfully, this time he was not stopped by police. What do you make of the former Patriot donning creamsicle orange and getting to work? Can I just say that I just, um, I'm Brady'd out. This is, uh, we had to put it in here. Uh, you know, it's naturally one of the biggest things that has happened, but I've, I've taken a hard anti-Brady turn over the last, <laughs> I would say, uh, two to three weeks. My first reaction to the report was, is he wearing a creamsicle orange penny? And you thought it was maybe just regular orange. However, in the show notes, you typed creamsicle into the topic. So have you come around to him wearing creamsicle orange? I don't know what practice pennies they normally wear. I haven't been to a Bucks practice in a while. Yeah, I think it's sort of an osmosis where if I hear something from you, and even if you're like asking me a question about it, I feel like that's the direction that I should just go in. And so I settled on creamsicle sort of uh, through the process of osmosis a little bit. Like I feel like not that you were trying to make me think creamsicle, but maybe you thought it was creamsicle. And so therefore, I'm just going to agree that it's creamsicle. Well, I did. But I mean, of course, this is always (laughs) the question for teams that have red as one of their primary colors because the quarterback needs to wear some other color than red as his non-contact jersey maybe that Mm. color is normally this orange creamsicle type for the bucks but it just made me think of our conversation i believe it was on last friday's week in review pod where we were discussing like did brady not want creamsicle would brady look good in creamsicle and i thought that the creamsicle ish color was was flattering on him i thought it was a good a good fit I think he needs to do a better job of uh, keeping up the tan if he's going to make that look good all year. Um, And I don't know how that clashes with the TB12 method, how much more water he'll have to drink to avoid a sunburn or, um, you know, any of the uh, recovery elements that he'll have to drink if he spends more time out in the sun. So that's sort of a big question there, you know? Well, we're missing a big news nugget from this, which is that the high school that Brady was working out at Berkeley Prep was attended by former MMQB editor Bet Marston, who we miss dearly. Wonderful mm-hmm. editor, wonderful friend. Um, but stunning revelation that Brady was working out at her school, former school, and she tweeted that, like, what a weird year to think that Tom Brady would be working out at her former high school. Um, a lot of events had to take place to get to this point that wouldn't have been expected at this time last year. Uh, But the school had been recently renovated, and the field is somewhat hard for the public to access, I hear. So it made for a good fit. Uh, I have to say, some good boots-on-the-ground reporting for the Tampa Bay Times to locate Brady, to figure that he was probably doing this, and I guess probably check high schools around the area. Yeah, excellent uh, local journalism, which hopefully everybody is supporting uh, during these trying times if they have the means. Uh, It made me think of um, throughout our beat writing career, uh, Jenny, we've become accustomed to some good off-season high school workouts. There was Eli Manning at at Hoboken High School. 
um, we all remember, and I believe Jets West and Mark Sanchez at Mission Viejo High School, correct? Definitely. And then there were some lockout type workouts. So yes, we have done the high school workout circuit, and it has been, uh, it's always fun. It's always a little a little different. I mean, I remember with Jets West, like word went out kind of late that like they were getting together. So it was like, I remember having to like scramble to find a flight. I flew into like Long Beach Airport. Like it was, they kind of told you late. So it was hard to fly cross country, but you knew the other beat writers were going to go. So you kind of had to do it. I will say, Connor, you referenced the local news and the News Guild, which is who we are represented by at Sports Illustrated has a campaign, Save the News. I tweeted it recently, and you could sign the petition, and they have a thread of, like, important stories that local news was responsible for getting out there that would have been overlooked otherwise. So that's one way that you can help support local news coverage, whether it's Brady working out at a high school or much more important investigative stories exposing the inequities and injustices of major corporations and government entities. Um, Yes. (laughs) All right, moving on to the next topic. Uh, I lost my my feed, so do you want to read it, Connor? Yeah, so um, I'm going to be doing a little bit of uh, cross-promotion here, Jenny. So I'm going to read the topic while also uh, you can come over and hang out with us on the MMQB's Instagram page as well, and we have some little in-show bonuses. There's a CFL filter on Instagram today where if you hit the button, uh, it rotates CFL helmets, and so it's like which Canadian football league team you're going to be drafted by. So I'm going to read topic three while simultaneously figuring out uh, which Canadian football team I will be drafted by. So you can't say that we're not embracing uh, the the kids on Instagram because that's what we're doing right here. So uh, topic number three, Caesars Sportsbook has Titans running back Derrick Henry as the odds-on favorite to lead the NFL in rushing, followed by Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, and et cetera, et cetera. While neither of us are quite the gamblers, I think that there may be an opportunity for us to make some cash here, Jenny, because uh, I don't think Derrick Henry or Ezekiel Elliott, or Nick Chubb is going to lead the league in rushing. Who's your pick? So uh, a little bit, I'll preface this, um, a little bit of an outsider pick here, um, but I think that especially if you're looking for a um, for like a big-time cash-in kind of thing, I think this would be it. And so I'm, I'm going with David Montgomery of the Bears. Oh, interesting. Okay. What about fellow Penn Stater Saquon Barkley? He was fourth on the <laughs> list, um, but that's good, right? Because you were, uh, I, I personally would view that as uh, a market inefficiency. Uh, he would, to me, be a no-brainer top two or three, right? Right, and we're just talking about rushing yards here. We're not talking about all-purpose yards. Correct. Okay. Um, and if you're curious, I was drafted by the, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I was curious, actually. I went to a CFL opening game in Winnipeg, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So I have a Winnipeg hat that I purchased while I was there, kind of in along. Do the, you really? Yeah, because you know Connor, that's you do. You like to purchase things from cool places you've been to. So I purchased a Winnipeg, purchased a Winnipeg Blue Bombers hat. Um, so I was kind of hoping you'd get the Blue Bombers. Ooh, yeah. 
I'm rocking, by the way, a SUNY College of Environmental Science and Forestry hat today. That was a good uh, per- road purchase. Wow, that's a great one. I believe the Blue Bombers just won the Grey Cup, if I'm not mistaken. They had a long layoff. Um, it, you know, I think it was a couple decades, and um, I believe last, last November they beat the Tiger Cats to win the first Grey Cup. Here we go. First Grey Cup in 29 years, Connor. Wow. Big... So, uh, Big year for the Blue Bombers. Good Big year, them. yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't the year that I went. It was kind of like the time that I went with Starlight Racing to the Kentucky Derby. Chris Merritt was doing double duty. It was the year the NFL draft was the same weekend as the Derby. Um, but it was the not the year that they produced a Triple Crown winner. <laughs> so um, I think I was, what, two, two or three years off on the Derby year that I picked to spend with Starlight Racing. But I did get to watch the Derby close up, and that was, that was pretty fun. But a few years later, yeah, I think I went 2015. A few years later, they uh, were co-owners of Justify. So Oh, very cool. Um, my larger point on the running backs that I just wanted to make, by the way, was that Sorry. we're all assuming. No, I, I just I had I had to get myself back on track. Um, was that I? I don't think that Derrick Henry is going to lead the league in rushing again, and I think that we're all forgetting. Uh, while I'm sure that there's a better analytical response to this, I mean, he almost had 400 carries last year. I mean, that was a significant workload, and the Titans didn't really, I don't think, push very aggressively to sign him to a long-term deal. I think they're pretty content, uh, as they should be, with him on the franchise tag to see what he has left. But, um, you know, I I don't think that this is a lock that he has the kind of transcendent performance uh, in 2020 um, that he did last year. Yeah, you've been on this train for a while, and I think it's smart when we were picking the division winners a couple weeks ago you didn't pick the titans for this reason it's very hard to follow up that kind of workload now if the season's delayed a little bit maybe you have a little extra time to give your body a little extra rest but i mean he's he's carried heavy workloads dating back to high school so you think True. about the you talk about tread on the tires and i think derrick henry's like a prime example of you wonder when it starts to catch up yeah yeah, definitely. No, it'll be interesting. I don't know. But some good, uh, you know, we've been giving out a lot of spicy gambling tips lately. And so, you know, hopefully some, some people take our advice and you're not uh, you're not disappointed. You could start your own gambling uh, show, Connor. The Gambler. The Gambler. I mean, we've, we had gramblings on gambling, I believe. But uh, the Gambler is right up there with puns. I like it. You know, I mean, I'm not complaining. I think that we lead the business in our ability to create puns, <laughs> largely because we employ someone with the last name or. <laughs> so, definitely um, good. Definitely good start. All right, this one has is, is all you, I think. Okay, uh, let me pull it up here. Well, the first word of the topic was Jenny, so I assumed that it was meant for you to read it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, Jenny, <laughs> finally, <laughs> finally, the news that we've all been waiting for. The XFL might come back. According to the Sports Business Journal, Vince McMahon is exploring the purchase of his shuttered league out of bankruptcy. While this makes no sense to me financially, I don't understand how this works. It does mean that we're going to have another shot at spring football. Do you imagine that that in some itineration will exist for the third straight year? Remember, we had the Alliance of American Football in twenty. 20- 19 the xfl very briefly in 2020 uh do we have spring football in 2021 boy i don't know connor i mean we're talking about if we're gonna have nfl football in 2020 it's hard to think that we have a bonus league in 2021 it's certainly possible i mean i guess 
one of the concerns which has nothing to do with COVID is just the, well, okay, when they were shuttered because of COVID, but just the idea that like after that happened, would some of the people who were heavily involved in making the league what it was, which got off to a pretty exciting start, would they want to be involved again? It seemed like there was some animosity about how things were handled when it shut down. And so I can't imagine that they would be able to rehire a lot of those people. Yeah. Uh, I think that, by the way, I, I have no, I thought he owned the league, and then it goes into bankruptcy, and then, uh, you know, I don't know, there's all these shell companies, I guess, whatever's uh, going on I, there. Yeah, but. I can't say that I have a full understanding of how this works either, Connor. No, but um, I, I think that there isn't a determination on their end to not have this go down as like another massive laughing stock and failure. Um, and I do think that there's a sound business model there. But like you said, this just might not be the time to rebuild. Maybe you, um, you know, you steady the plane and you get it off the runway in 2022 in a better spot. But I think that in all, it's been good for football. I think the last two years have shown the NFL that, this is what happens when you don't take yourself too seriously. You can come up with some good ideas. You can test run things like Sky Judge, which I think you and I were very happy about. Um, it seems to be gaining momentum. And, you know, these are all at least uh, vaguely positive things that come from having a sister league or, or some kind of football companion that you can kind of bounce things off of. Yeah, and it was getting off to a promising start. There were certainly scenes in a lot of cities, Seattle, St. Louis, that were really promising in terms of the interest and support. One question I suppose would be is if the NFL schedule is in doubt, you know, if it's possible that the Super Bowl could be pushed back a few weeks and some of those games could be tacked on to the end, does that affect the XFL scheduling? And I suppose they could work that out uh, since they wouldn't have to, you know, if they were a spring league, they could work that out and see where things land with the NFL. Um, I mean, the flip side of the coin to all the challenges right now is maybe people are more desperate for sports and activities than ever. But I just think that the NFL is going to be facing challenges with like loss of revenue from stadiums not being able to be filled. And I don't know that those things are going to be that different in the spring. So, yeah, maybe maybe 2022 makes more sense. Maybe you can capitalize on the, you know, the uncertainty in college football. You can get some bodies in there that may not have considered an alternate football league in the past. So I don't know. Maybe there's, maybe there's an opening there. I, for one, am a proponent of spring football. I uh, just, I like having it there. You know, maybe don't like watching it all the time, but I like to know it's there. Yeah. All right. Last topic. Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger reports he could let it rip in a recent throwing session with teammates, one that also coincided with the loss of his disheveled facial hair. Are we not appropriately factoring his return into the NFL this year, or do we think that Ben Roethlisberger is simply not the factor he was before? I don't know. This might be a weirdly phrased question, but I feel like we're not like making a big deal out of him being back. You know what I mean? I, and maybe it's because there's a million other things going on, but strictly in the context of the NFL season coming up, uh, I just feel like it's not like a, oh man, this is going to be a game changer kind of thing. That's true. And I think part of it is probably because in that division, right, there's a lot to talk about. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, what what's Baker Mayfield going to do? And the Steelers are telling us they have confidence in Roethlisberger. Like they've put all their eggs in the Roethlisberger basket for 2020. 
uh, when they could have explored other options and didn't. So evidently they have confidence in him and the Steelers have a good track record. So I think there probably is reason to think that it's being underplayed a little bit, but you're right. It hasn't been part of the conversation at all. I mean, Kevin Colbert said he thought Ben Roethlisberger could come back even better from the elbow surgery, which certainly raised some eyebrows. Like how would that work? But their, <laughs> their confidence in him is like very strong. Yeah, um, and that and that class is just sort of not withering. I mean, Eli Manning retired. Philip Rivers is on a one-year deal in Indianapolis and was let go by the Chargers. Um, you know, after not the greatest season. And while these guys, it's not like they have nothing left. I mean, I think that certainly any team like the Ravens would be a great example. Is like you know moving on. It's better to move on a little too early than I think to hang on a little too late. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, where Ben Roethlisberger kind of fits in there because I do think that there are some teams like the Saints and Drew Brees that sort of transcends that idea. He's as good, he's he's worth putting in the lineup as long as he feels like being out there, but I, I don't think that goes for everybody necessarily. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, it's watching the rest of the class. Maybe that's part of it because we always talk about that group kind of together. And so that now that the others have either changed teams or fallen away, it's kind of like we forget that Ben is still with the Steelers, still in the same place. Um, but, yeah, it has kind of been an uh, under-the-radar storyline. If the Caesars – if the Steelers have a successful season, Connor, I am sure we'll be hearing. Let's say they're in the playoffs. What do you think we'll be hearing? No one believed in us. No one talked <laughs> about Ben coming back. Mm-hmm. Y'all forgot about the Steelers. Y'all well, forgot we talked about, about yeah. it. So get over it. That's what I was saying. <laughs> All right. Um, moving on ha- to – okay, go ahead. Sorry. So – I I decided to not do my typical prediction, the Oracle at the end, because um, I, I've, I was kind of test running um, this take in one of our various group chats this morning. And you and uh, you um, you did not respond, which I'm not I'm not calling you out for not responding, but I'm I'm, I'm going to I'm just going to let it fly here in the pod because I'm eager to see what your reaction is to it. So it's less of a. Uh, prediction and more of a rant, uh, just a little bit, you know, that I want to go on, it, if that's okay. It, is it a rant about me not replying in the group chat, or is it a rant no. about the subject? No, no, no. A, a rant about the subject. Sounded um, a little bit like both, Connor, but that's okay. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead? I, I completely understand the lack of reply. Uh, I wouldn't have replied to me either. Um, so I, the uh, internet was kind of set ablaze, or whatever, football internet, with um, the video of Aaron Donald's like tr- training session where he's like hopping over... Uh, things and uh, side shuffling and it ag- agreed totally impressive uh, for somebody of that weight and size to be able to move like that um, we've known that for a long time but is anybody else just tired of the faux amazement we have to present when athletes are doing athletic things like that and this is maybe like gonna go down a dark path but like it's sort of like your job is to be in really good shape and to be dynamic um and you know i remember a couple years ago like odell beckham was hitting baseballs at uh, a baseball game 
and everyone's like, can you believe that he can hit a baseball? And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's supposed to be a phenomenal athlete, you know, and that's your job. Or can you believe that J.J. Uh, Watt hit three home runs in the celebrity softball game? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the best athlete at my school was great at everything. And that's, you know, and then you get specialized training and diet and nutrition for the rest of your life to be able to do these things. And so, I don't know. I mean, Jenny, you can write great long-form pieces and breaking news and and host a podcast. So that's like, you know, uh, but but nobody's like, wow, can you believe how versatile Connor and Jenny are, you know? Well, I can't really do any of those things well, but you certainly can. I, I would participate <laughs> in a conversation about how versatile Connor is in, in all uh, platforms of the MMQB. Um, yes, I think probably you and I are a little bit less odd because we see those kinds of things like in practice or in pregame warmups, we're used to watching them do those things. So perhaps in our early days as a beat writer, like the first time you saw Darrell Rivas backpedal, you might be like, whoa, that was crazy. Or the first time you saw, you know, Patrick Mahomes throw a no look pass or something. Although those are still pretty incredible. So I'm not really sure where I'm going. Uh, What this reminded me of was Aaron Donald's coach when he recited um, the other team's roster that they were playing that week. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, wow. And we were, a lot of us were kind of like, but that's part of his job. So that Mm -hmm. to me, this was an exact corollary between the player and the coach of like people being awed by something that is part of their job. I mean, I do think Aaron Donald is like, I think what's um, awe-inspiring about him is that he plays a position where you wouldn't expect like that degree of athleticism. Like he has the same athleticism as like I don't know a tight end or something, right? So sure. I think I think with him it's kind of like oh my gosh, you're telling me he plays defensive tackle, but he also moves like this. So I think that's partly where it comes from. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. This is like Sean McVay citing the roster. Yeah, I mean, I just you know I think. Uh... It would be like um, a, a great example. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who's in the healthcare business recently, and you know they were a non-essential surgery employee, and they get thrust into the middle of the pandemic response, and they have to learn how to do all these things right away. And it's like, wow, uh, you know, we could instead say, like, can you believe that this? non-essential surgical nurse is now in the middle of the fray uh, hooking up IVs and taking blood and doing this at light speed when they had to learn this four or five days ago. That to me is more amazing. I don't know. That's pretty impressive. Kudos to your friend, Connor. Indeed. Uh, So uh, the Vrentis consensus, uh, it's been, you know, I I will say just a, a good thing to have at the end of the show. These are trying times and to know that we can still come together and agree on things. It's uh. It's a very, it's a big positive. Well, I think we've really reached the jumping the shark point of the no <laughs> sports period when there were headlines <laughs> on Boston news stations about Bill Belichick riding a bike with Nike cruising behind him uh, in a little carrier. Uh, I think that that was really when we were just peak absurdity, Connor. These are mm-hmm. uh, these are weird times, and that story really reinforced it. I, I think we can all get behind that. I think it's a cute photo, but, you know, when it's on TV with headlines and such, uh, I think things are getting a little batty. Yeah, I think we need to uh, to find more important things to talk about. That, that funny thing about that photo, so that's a that's like a, a carrier, a bike trailer for, like, a small child, right? And um, Yeah, it looks like it. 
we acquired one of those for the pandemic period um, so that I could take my daughter on bike rides. And so we're outside and beautiful day and I'm putting to this thing together uh, and I'm filling the tires with air and um, I must have missed like there's part of the tube that's supposed to go inside the plastic of the wheel well and it just was hanging over just a bit and I didn't tuck it in. I missed it. So I filled everything up to the proper PSI. <laughs> uh <laughs> It's funny because we're talking about the Patriots and uh, uh, we're about to get ready to go on this bike ride and uh, we're walking over to the bike and all of a sudden, and we live near a, uh, a military base and so there's a lot of explosions a lot of time. There's like weapons testing and stuff like that. Um, and so we heard this explosion and I was like, oh wow, there must be something going on um, at the base, but it sounded really close to me. Turns out I blew the tire on the uh, toddler air thing, but it sounded like an explosion, a legit explosion. It's like a little 16-inch tire, and it was like, wow, yeah, wow. Yeah. So, are you able to use it? I have to order a new tube, plastic tube for the inside of the tire. They're they're six dollars on Amazon, so I have to go get get one. You know, Connor, though, the fact that that blew before you guys were in it, like that's like one of those kinds of times when you're just like, okay, like pretty grateful. I I, I remember this story all the time. I I had a, we had a swing set in my backyard. Um, my mom had a night dream the night before that, like the swing broke and I was hit by it or something, but didn't think anything of it. And it was like the top bar was wood. So I guess it must've like rotted through. So the next day I was swinging and it broke, but I had been swinging forward and I was able to jump off. Um, so when the bar at the top broke, I, I was totally fine, but it's just like one of those things where you're just like, okay, you know what? Like that was, you know, I'm grateful for the way that that worked out. So I'm I'm glad that it exploded before you guys were off on a bike ride. That was that was a nice, uh, you know, someone's looking out for you, Connor. And an excellent lesson to close out the show in the power of positive thinking, Jen. That's right. That's a, gr- that's a great way to turn around a potentially yeah. negative thing. Okay, you know? yeah, exactly. Looking, finding the positive in the situation. Listen, that's not my strength. That's not a lot of our strengths these days, but um, I'm glad that we Look at us go. Yeah, look at us go. It's turning into a slightly more optimistic pod than normal. This is amazing. (laughs) Really, truly, truly interesting times, Connor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we appreciate everyone joining us this week. Were you going to say something, Connor? I, I spoke over you. No, no. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You know. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. The MMQB Weekside Podcast is me, Jenny Vrentis, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Moravik is emeritus executive director of the MMQB. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. 
Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At- 